The following day, John was again standing with his with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, "Look, there's the Lamb of God." When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. "What do you want?" he asked. They replied, "Rabbi, where are you staying?" "Come and see," he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to his place where he was staying, and they were they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who was one of these men who heard John say. Heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, "We have found the Messiah." Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking at Simon, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, "Your name is Simon, the son of John, you, but you will be called Peter." The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Peter and said to him, "Come, follow me." Philip. Oh, he found Philip and said to him, "Come, follow me." Philip was from Beth Bethsaida, Andrew and Pe- Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, "We have found the very person Moses and the pros- prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, and the son of Joseph from Nazareth." Nazareth exclaimed, "Nathaniel, can anything good from Nazareth come and see for yourself?" Philip replied. In week two of a series that we have called Coffee, Dinner, Jesus. Coffee, Dinner, Jesus. Pastor Joe did an incredible job last week explaining to us. Yes. that He did an awesome job as he talked to us about how it's important to just notice people, invest in them. And then um, we actually brought someone from here uh, up on stage, Melissa Manning, just talking, just showing what it looks like, what like the power of one invite can do. And so Melissa came up and we called out names. And as we were putting together the list, there was over 100 people on the list that came to Jesus, came to know Jesus because of an invite from somebody who was invited from somebody who was invited from Melissa Manning. So just the power of one person. Uh, It was just incredible. It was just an incredible day. And so I am continuing that series today. And I, um, too, was one of the people on stage and... um, and was a part of the invitation from Melissa years and years and years ago. And so I am thankful for that. So I want to um, begin to talk about what that looks like. And Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley says, you have the power to change the trajectory of someone's entire life. And all it takes is an invitation. An invitation. I, my life was transformed because of an invitation. Some of your lives have been transformed because of an invitation. And we too have that same power to be able to do that. And I, um, probably shortly after I started coming here, I remember it was 
kind of in the fall. So we were heading into Christmas and all of a sudden they started saying, like, here's some invite cards, you know, you got to invite people. And, and just similar to the invite cards you're going to get on the way out for Easter. But I thought, what in the world? What am I supposed to do with these? Like, I'm supposed to like go out there and just like throw them at people, like invite people to church. Like, I didn't understand. Like, why is it important? Why was it important for me to invite people to Christmas? Why was it important for us to, um, Got, like and bring people with us to church. And I know some of you have probably wrestled with the same things of why is that so important? And not just that, but like how? Like, am I supposed to like go to lunch and like drop a nice tip and put the invite card there? Is that, is that how I'm supposed to do this? Or so it's like door to door knock and hand somebody an invite? Like, come on, you know? And then also like who? Who in the world am I supposed to do this, invite somebody to? Like, am I supposed to share my faith with just anybody? Like at the time, I had a bunch of friends that were kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, like kind of making fun of me, joking on me for how much I was like falling in love with Jesus and being transformed. So I was like, am I supposed to ask them? <laughs> they already think I'm losing my mind, right? So like, who is it? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about why an invitation is important, why sharing your faith is important, how we can do that, and then who. Who is it that God has put in our life that we can share our faith with or invite them to church? And so um, as I was wrestling with these very same questions, uh, I read a book. But uh, first, I want to start with why it's not. Why it's not to have a bigger church It's not to grow a bigger church, even though it feels great when a lot of people are in the room. It's not so this place can grow bigger or have more people. That's not why we have invitation cards, why we have invite cards, why we want to share our faith. That's not what it is. And it's also not to see who can hand out the most invite cards. (laughs) The pressure is real. Like if you're like me, you get fundraisers from your PTA and you like feel this pressure to like always be like, giving or, you know, you get the candy bars for the volleyball team and you're like, do I sell all these or do I have to eat them all or sell them all myself? Like, is this how this is? If I have six invite cards, do I have to give out all six? I remember being like, oh my gosh, there's invite cards all over my car and I'm about to pick Andrea up for dinner. I better hide these. Like, <laughs> she's going to be like, you're not handing any of them out. No, she would never do that. But I remember feeling that, this pressure that I had to bring people with me. I had to have these invite cards out. Like it's not to see who can hand out the most invite cards, who can have the most people with them here. Or, I mean, like me, my kids will do all these fundraisers at school and like, you know, they'll ask my mom or dad and they'll donate like $5. I'm like, we're done. And they're like, well, Johnny like sold so many things, like $400. He gets to like have lunch with the principal and the superintendent. And all we earned was like one day out of uniform. And I'm like, like, this is not what it's about. It is not a competition. It is not pressure. It is not like the fundraisers at their school. Sorry, PTA people. We will absolutely donate to your fundraisers and believe that your PTA is amazing. Sorry. But anyway, so it's not about having a bigger church. It's not some sort of pressure to say I've given out the most invites, right? And it's not about being like calling people out, judging our friends and being like, oh, you are a hot mess. You need Jesus. Because the truth is, we all need Jesus. It is not our job to go up to someone and say, you need Jesus based on the outside. Because we have no idea what the inside looks like, the condition of their soul. So bringing people to Jesus is not our way of judging them and saying, you need this. Because in reality, we all do. We all do. We've all been in a place where we're like, we have said, like, I am a sinner. And I need a savior. And so those are the reasons that it's not. But why then? Why is it important 
Why is it important to share your faith? Can't someone else just do that? Like I've thought about that before. Like, isn't that like someone else's job? Like I could just come here, let the Holy Spirit transform me. And you know, if, if God, you know, sends somebody my way, awesome. But if not, then I'm good, right? Is it important for me and for you? Or is it like, is that just like Allie's job or Melissa's job to, you know, share their faith and bring people to Jesus? Why is it important for me? Why do I need to do that? right? Or maybe you thought, I would have to get out of my comfort zone. Like, I don't want to do that. Can I just like share a post on Facebook? Would that be okay? (laughs) Can I just like put some prayer hands and say, amen? Like, is that sharing my faith? Is that all it is? Like, can I just do that? Why is it important? And eight years ago, I was asking myself the same thing. And I was handed a book called, I Want to Bear Fruit by an author named Chuck, Chuck Quinley. And the subtitle was beautiful. It says, You can lead others to Christ without pressuring them or embarrassing yourselves. I'm like, oh yes, I need that. I was like, step-by-step guide of how to lead people to Jesus without pressuring them or embarrassing myself. I was like, yes, I'm in. I'm going to read this. But the Holy Spirit had totally different plans because this book changed my life. The the, um, author opens up with like this uh, metaphor that I want to kind of do with you all. So I want you to imagine that you are the most wealthiest, most powerful person on earth. Imagine that you have everything, and fortunately for everyone else, you have an extremely loving heart. You want to use your resources to bless others. Every day you leave your majestic home, and you sit in a chair, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people line up with their list of needs and wants and desires And you love them so much that you want to do everything that you can to help them. And a lot of the things on their list are repetitive. They're asking for things like money or a job or to get into a college or maybe something like they want to be married or they have children and you're sitting there with their list. Or maybe they want something, you know, a healing. Maybe they're sick and there's hundreds of people in line with their list. And day by day they come and make their petitions and you do everything you can to help them. Because of your love and compassion, you don't want anyone overlooked. But even though you have all of this power, you still have a burden yourself. Your children are lost. Your children are missing. You love them more than life itself, and you have watched them since birth. And they aren't just missing. They have been kidnapped. They have been lured away by your mortal enemy. You see, the enemy cannot hurt you directly because of the power advantage, but in order to hurt you, he hurts the people that you love, your children. They're missing. They're lost. They've been kidnapped. Those are the people that you would gladly die for, and your children's future is predictable. They will be abused constantly. They will not know kindness. Their lives will be full of pain. They will be humiliated in private and in public. They will learn to hate their lives and cry out at night and ache during the day because they're missing something and they have eventually forgot the love of their father. They will be raised as children of the enemy and they will form their self-image and cause, and the enemy will cause as much damage as possible to them because of his contempt for you. And you will never see your children again unless someone helps you find them. See, as heartbreaking as this is, the people that line up every day in line with their list know that your children are lost. They know that they are missing. 
They line up every day with their list, but they see your children in their lives. They are your neighbors. They are their friends. They are their employees. They are the people at school with them. Unmindful and unmoved by the heavy weight of the grief that you're carrying, they still stand in line with their petitions and wants. Your sense of duty compels you to help them. And while you are living in torment, how would you feel? I think this is how God feels today. We pray for the things that we need and want and desire. We ask him for things and he gives it to us like a gracious God. We get discouraged when he doesn't do it the way we ask. And yes, we know his children are lost. We see their pain-filled eyes every day. We actually get frustrated because we work with some of them. And they are full of just torment and God is full of torment and we are busy with our world. We never stop to contemplate God's world. We never stop to contemplate that he is a person. He has joy and he has pain too. Now go back to imagining you're the person in the chair. And one day, a young man begins to notice the pain in your eyes, the grief in your eyes. He looks you in the face and sees the burden that you feel for your children that has caused creases in your forehead and bags under your eyes. He takes his list of things that he wants. He crumbles it up, puts it in his pocket, walks up to you and says, I want to help you find your lost children. I have things I want and need, but there is nothing compared to what is crushing your heart today. What can I do to help you get them back safely into your arms? How would you react? What would you do for someone like that? I know what I would do. I would put them to work right away. I would give them everything that they needed so that they would not be distracted on mission, that he would be on mission, finding my lost children, finding my missing children, bringing them home to me, to my arms. And when he truly began to work, I would make sure that he had the servants that he needed, everything that he would need so that he would not go off track, that he would continue his search each and every day to find my children. And I think that is how God feels when someone decides to have a burden for the lost. That's how God feels when someone decides to have a burden for the lost. So it's not about having a bigger church and the coolest church in town. It is not a pressure to hand out the most invites. It's about helping, being used by God to bring his children home to him. That's the why. That's why we do what we do. That's why God wants to use us. And maybe... It's through sharing your story or maybe it's through praying with someone or bringing them, whatever that looks like, God will provide you with what you need to be able to share your faith, to be able to put yourself out there, to invite them here. And so we talked about the why, now I wanna talk about the how. The scripture Jordan read earlier, Andrew, it says in verse four, he said, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was the one of these men who heard that John said he'd follow Jesus, to follow Jesus. Andrew went and found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Then Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about this. His name is Jesus, son of Joseph of Nazareth. 
Nathaniel said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip's like, come and see for yourself. This is a beautiful representation of what it looks like in our lives. We meet Jesus. We have an encounter with him. We then go back and find someone. He, someone finds a brother. Come on, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Philip goes and gets his friend and is like, this is what we've been looking for. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. And so we meet Jesus And I feel like we do want to bring people with us. We do want to, but we don't know how. We don't know how. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. Sometimes it's not just come to church with me. Sometimes it's come have dinner with me. Come and see my kitchen. Let's have a play date. Come and see my family. Come and see how God has transformed my life. Just come and see. These disciples felt or met Jesus and felt the urge to go back and find their friends and I think we feel that too. So how do we do that? The best strategy is a changed life, a life that has been transformed by Jesus. And at this time, I'm actually gonna bring some people up here and we're gonna talk to them because they don't just have the habit and action of inviting people. This is who they are. Their lives have been transformed and God has used them to bring so many people to a relationship with him. And I want you to hear from them because they are just like you. They are moms, they are dads, they are a newlywed who's a you know, dog dad, right? <laughs> we have a teacher, a nurse practitioner, a worker from Ford, a construction worker. I want you to hear how they have been able to say, come and see to the people in their life. So will you welcome Dakota, Amber and Branson Alley to the stage with me. Hello, how are you all? Good, good. Okay, this is Allie. Um, She's my sister, and um, I wouldn't have, you know, guessed we 15 years ago when we walked through these doors that we'd be sitting right here together. Um, We grew up Catholic, and coming here was a big step, but if I had to attribute, other than Melissa asking a bunch, Allie was like, we need to go, and she you know, because of you, you made me go to a Bible study and, <laughs> and I was able to encounter Jesus and I have seen your life transformed from the inside out. You're, don't, you're not the same person you were 15 years ago and I'm thankful for that. So if you just introduce yourself to everybody and kind of give them a rundown of your story. I am Allie, like she said. Um, I, did, I grew up in church and I um, didn't really know that you could have a relationship with Jesus, though, when I um, was in church before. And so I didn't go to church for a while, and my cousin invited me actually to a softball, uh, to be on a softball team here at the church. And so that's a good little way to get people, to, to get somebody in the door to meet Jesus. But um, after a few months, I, I, I encountered Jesus in this room. Um, and, and I just, I felt him calling me. I really did, and but I also just was living like a, a, a two-sided life, life for Jesus, life not with Jesus. And then um, a few years later, I um, was asked to, to join a Bible study, and, um, and during that Bible study, um, I was, like I said, not living for Jesus completely, not totally surrendered, but, but um, just felt God talking to my heart. I was in a relationship, I um, was actually engaged and living with a guy, and... Um, 
and I felt God tugging on my heart, just calling me um, to come home. And, um, and at that time, I decided to give everything up, fully surrender, and um, break things off with my fiance at the time. And it was the best decision I ever made. Um, and just to fully surrender my life to the Lord was amazing. So That's awesome. That's awesome. This is Amber. Um, Amber and I, I will never forget the day that, so Amber and I have known each other through our husbands a little bit, like not really, but the day I remember is walking on UofL's campus and running across to you and we decided to go have coffee and go have lunch. I was following Jesus at the time and, and I don't believe you were at the time, maybe just had a relationship with Jesus, but not necessarily fully committed. And so then... Um, I, we were meeting regularly and, um, it was probably right after I read the book, I want to bear fruit. And I remember saying like, all right, God use me today. And, um, there was a day that you walked out of class and you're crying and, uh, and you were an answer to my prayer and I was answered to yours and we prayed together right there. And it was, um, just a powerful moment of what God started in your life and our life and our friendship. We thought we were going to be each other's friends for like helping each other through college, but really we've built a lifelong friendship centered around Jesus since then. So um, I'm excited for y'all to hear from Amber today. Yeah. So um, like Katie said, I was invited here from her, obviously, (laughs) but um, my journey started well before then. Um, As they both did, I grew up Catholic and I always went to church every Sunday with my grandparents. Um, I would have told you that I was a, I, I was a believer for mm-hmm. sure. I, I know all of what Jesus did for me, but I did not have any relationship with him. I didn't know what that looked like or even that it was possible. Um, it was like you had to, the priest had to do it for me. That's how I felt. Like I was like, I, I'm just a per, I'm just, I'm a little man. I can't do this. I can't have these conversations with him and I can't be sad. I can't cry in a prayer to him. That doesn't make any sense. I need to be together to come to him. So I worked my whole life to make sure I was put together. I needed to have the best marriage. I needed to have the best career and I needed, you know, to have like the family and the kids after marriage. Like I just had this American dream basically is what I was going for. And because of my childhood, I put a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. on Brent's, my husband, a ton, um, early in our marriage and really, he was, he was my idol. And so he would let me down and then I would be crushed. And it took a lot of Katie asking me to come to church, coming to a women's worship night, the night before I ran my first mini marathon. (laughs) And, um, I just remember after the first song, there were like tears streaming down my face. And I was like, this is what I'm missing. It's not what he can do for me. It's not even what I can do for myself, but it's what God can do for me is what I was missing. I was missing a true relationship with Jesus. And from the outside, it seemed like we were great. We have a great marriage. We had a great marriage. It wasn't like it was horrible. We had great kids and everything was going well, but there was always something that I felt missing. And when I found it, it was like, this is it. And I just I did dove head first. I was like, what can I do? How can I meet him? How can I be closer to him? Mm-hmm. And my relationship with Jesus has really grown so much over the last 
almost six years. Yeah, I was wondering how long. Yeah. Six years? Yeah. That's awesome. So, yes. So this is Brent's, um, Amber's husband. Uh, you all have been coming for six years. I was, I was actually trying to remember how many years ago it was um, because it wasn't until actually we went to camp that I felt like I saw like real like commitment to Jesus. So three years ago, three and a half years ago, maybe. Yeah, three and a half years ago is when we started Impact Group here. So uh, Jason asked me, he's like, I want you to be the next gen pastor for the kids and then also start a youth group. And I was like, oh gosh, I can't, I don't know how to do this on myself. So I kind of picked a few people and Brent was one of them. I was like, go to camp with me. And after camp, if you love it, you come and if you don't, then you don't have to do it anymore. And so like what, night two, after you like hurt your knee and you're like, I look over and you're like full on worship, praying with students. And I look at you and I'm like, and he's like, how can I not help you build a youth group? Because this is amazing seeing these students. So it was really awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it's been pretty an amazing six year ride. Um, I grew up in church. It was every Sunday you went to church. I believe that my life before I came here to Hope City was, it was almost like I had a roommate in Jesus Mm -hmm. where I would see him, we would hang out on the weekends, Mm -hmm. but I really wouldn't do anything other than that. But now since I've been coming, like the the belief that I have, the relationship that I have, and to to speak more on impact, it was that same summer, uh, Katie asked me to help out with impact. And then somebody else asked me to be a leader at another church camp. And I was like, well, I mean, it's got to be some kind of tugging that I've got to decide on. And I was like, going with Katie's a little easier, so I'm going to do that. So now, three and a half, four years later, our impact group is, uh, has grown. And I believe through that, it's also strengthened my relationship with Christ because seeing them in their life that they're leading and that I can show them the way and I can be more in tune with what I'm doing and what I'm telling them helps me further my relationship with Christ. That's really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. And this is Dakota. And uh, a funny story about Dakota is actually, (laughs) I was like, I'm going to tell you when I first met him. He's like, I don't remember. And I was like, I actually met him through somebody he was actually bringing. So he was already here bringing people to Jesus before I even met him. So um, it was Friends and Family Day. You said 2017, 18, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I was in the back with a friend of mine who came and his sister Dana was sitting in front of me and she's just like bawling the whole time. (laughs) And um, afterwards she committed her life to Jesus. And (laughs) and then I like tap her on the shoulder and I'm like, congratulations. And she looks at me and she's like, I thought I knew what a relationship with Jesus was and I didn't but I've seen so much change in my brother in just a few short months that I had to see for myself what was going on. And I was like, who is your brother? <laughs> I was like, who is this person? I've never met him. And so she introduced me to Dakota and I was like, man, God You're going to make me has... cry before I even start. Huh? Uh, I said, you're going to make me cry before I even start. <laughs> but I remember thinking, man, God has his hands on this yeah. one's life for so sure. So I grew up Catholic, just like everybody else here. <laughs> Uh, really though. And, um, you know, I've known Jesus my whole life. My mom really laid the foundation, you know, for my faith. Um, as I got older though, I just kind of fell out of church and, uh, just kind of making my own decisions and living for my own desires. And in my early twenties, I kind of just was at a low point in my life. God was really stripping things that I thought I needed in my life and filling them with 
other things that looking back now, I didn't realize what he was doing. But I mean, obviously, I know now that he was taking things away that I thought I needed. And um, <clears throat> basically, during that time, I like recommitted my life to him because I, like I said, I knew God, but I wasn't living for God. And I didn't have that relationship. Um, so I recommitted my life to him. It was just a moment between me and him in my, in my bedroom. Um, and then a couple months later, I met my wife, or girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Samantha. And then her friend Kaylee invited us to church at Hope City, I guess 2017. And um, we're coming, loving it, enjoying it. Uh, weren't really involved at all or anything. And then we started the Shepherdsville campus. Um, got really involved. That's when I really, you know, started serving, felt like God's hand was on my life and really just finding a calling in church. And uh, so we started that. Obviously, Shepherdsville's um, not there anymore. So came back here, transitioned to South Louisville and been serving here. And then actually during Galatians series last year, I re-recommitted my life to Christ because <laughs> I never... <laughs> I never felt like I had that like hand raised moment. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's really awesome. So you said that Dakota, you said that you kind of grew up in church, kind of didn't. You know, you grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. It was a foundation. But what is your current like motivation? Like you, it just seems like for you know for a season is like no matter I saw you and I saw someone else that was new. Like you brought your friend Corey and then Taylor and uh, Tara and obviously Dana and all these people. But like, what is the motivation behind that? And how do you kind of begin to ask people in your life to come with you here or to share your faith? Uh, I guess the motivation really is just like knowing that like in the last five years, I've actually had that relationship with God, like the things that he's blessed me with, the, the peace I have in my heart, like, the love, the fact that, you know, he died on a cross, not even knowing that I would accept him. Like, that kind of love is the love I want to serve and I want to be a part of. And I want people to feel that same love. Wow. So for me, that's, that's just awesome. really the biggest motivation. Yeah, that's awesome. Does it, um, so you work in construction. So does it make it easier or harder to kind of like invite people in? It's your- like a fine line. Um, like, you have to know who you are and whose you are, like, your identity That's in Christ. <laughs> Say that so, again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then just, like, I don't know, being secure in that and then just using your influence, even if it's not much influence, not being influenced. And it, I would say it is a little bit easier because, like, it's, if you're hanging out with saved people all the time, like, it's hard to save people. So okay. not that it's my job to save people, but yeah. I know a place yeah. that can, you know, yeah. or a person who can. So Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Okay, so Allie, you seem like you always bring people, and no matter where we go, you have an invite card in your pocket, even if it's not even close to Easter. We're like middle of, you know, June. <laughs> You're like, she's like, can I get a card that's for all year? And I'm like, sure. So um, anyway, but um, is it always an invite card? Is, it always, is that how you've always brought people to Jesus, or is there other ways that you have been able to do that in your life? Not necessarily, not always um, inviting people to church. Obviously, church is a a great place to invite people to. Um, Sometimes it is um, asking them to watch online or sending them a sermon or sending them even a worship song or a prayer um, or even stopping to pray with them uh, to share my faith and my story uh, with them in those ways too. Or like, I mean, sometimes it's an event, like Mm -hmm. come to this Easter egg hunt, you know, or whatever to get through the door. But really it's like, it's Jesus is kind of, um, but 
sharing my story is a big, because some people are like, what do you do at five in the morning? You get up and you sit and talk to Jesus? I'm like, yep, <laughs> I, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, not every day, but why, why do you do that? <laughs> and so I'll just kind of share with them, like, this is what I want to, um, this is what I do. This is, you know, to receive Jesus in the morning and spend time with him. Um, so sharing my story is a big Sharing your story. And then you said, you also said praying out loud with people. Yes. Um, is that something you just do all the time? Or is this something that has like you've worked, worked through like from the beginning? You're like, definitely this is very worked hard. through. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's hard because I think the first time I did it, I was in a, a stock room and, and the NICU praying with a coworker. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to walk in here and they're going to hear me praying for this lady. And I don't, you know, it was kind of like, oh my goodness, it's going to be. Um, embarrassing. But um, after I did that, after you like take the first step, it's like ripping the bandaid off. Um, but since then, just, pr- I mean, I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, like God prompts me and tells me if I need to, sometimes I, I don't listen and I'm like, oh, I should have prayed with that person. But it's not like a condemnation. It's just next time I'll, I'll listen and mm-hmm. I'll, you know, to That's pray awesome. with them about whatever they're you it's know, very going good. through. That's awesome. So, Amber and Brent, I look around and I see like 90% of your friends are like, in family are either following Jesus, they're at Hope City, something like that. Is that like um, something that, did it start with them walking through the doors here? Like how did you get probably the majority of people in your life? Like not that you got them, Jesus did, but like you all took the step. Was it just like, hey, come to church? Like what did that look like? Um, so we, we love to hang out with our friends <laughs> like everybody else, but we have, there are 11 couples that have been best friends. Like we have been friends together for like 20 years. I don't know, like a long time. Um, and so our kids all hang out and we all hang out and it might not be fully 20, but, um, and we would be together on like Saturday night cookouts, right? Like that's what we like hanging out all together. Like we would always do. And Brent and I would go home early because we wanted to make sure we got up for church the next day. Or um, Caroline or Brayden, that's our two older children, would talk about, you know, something about kids' church. And then that would prompt like their kids to ask the parents. Mm-hmm. And so it was more like a natural, it was never, we go to Hope City and we are so great. That's not <laughs> how we did it at all. Like that. It was just very natural conversations that would pop up and people would notice. I think our um, friends just started noticing differences in our marriage, differences in how really we good. talk to each other, differences in how like I wouldn't um, complain about him. Um, around my friends, which was huge. Um, I just, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, so I think they noticed those differences and, um, and they asked us, you know, tell me about your church. That's, I think I got that a lot. Like, tell me about your church. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And, and what it breaks down to is like the, the, the cliff's notes of that yeah. was that, the way you live your life is the easiest yeah. invite that you could possibly have so because good. they can see your change. They can see your attitude. They, the way you live your life is an invite in itself. That's right. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. A couple more. Dakota, how has bringing people to Jesus changed, impacted your faith? Um, I would say um, 
it honestly keeps me like iron sharpens iron, you know, so a friend sharpens a friend. It keeps me connected to God, like knowing that, you know, I want to bring people along with me, but it's hard to lead people to Christ if you're not plugged into Christ. That's so, really good. That's really good. I guess it just, it changed my life in that way. And yeah. Yeah. You want to share a story of anybody that you have led or yeah. somebody? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my best friend, actually probably one of my favorite days of my life, watching him give his life to Christ. Yeah. And then, you know, his wife and their parents coming to church. It was really amazing out in Shepherdsville. And, uh, you know, they have a son now. So knowing that he's going to be raised in like a faith-filled home, you know, he's talking about my sister Dana giving her life to Christ. And, you know, my nephew, he did yeah. as well, his, her son, um, my other sister Tara. And then buddy I work with, you know, right now he's coming to church. He actually signed up for a growth group, That's you know. Really awesome. So just being able to watch him grow, yeah. you know, at church or Well, that's at a cool story, too. Like he came to you and was like, hey, what do you listen to? What do you, like, right? Is yeah. This, this, yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're so like, just, I listen to sermons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's all it is really, just looking for opportunities and conversations, just mm-hmm. like listening to people and finding that common interest to give a lot more in common and a lot more opportunity than you think you do to talk about yeah. faith and church. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, Brent's senior friends that you've literally grown up with commit their life to Jesus, like, how does that make you feel? And do you have a specific like story you want to share of somebody? Uh, I don't really have a specific story about them, but I know in dealing with the youth here, uh, that's what fuels me the most. Like I started with the middle school boys, which that's, that's a terror in its own. But (laughs) when you can, he loves you all. But when you can see, (laughs) when you can see their relationship grow and grow and grow. And then one day they're finally like, this is this is life. This is what it's all about. Yeah. And they finally accept, and then they go through everything. It's like this is the fuel that, you know, fires everything within inside me that I can see them. Yeah. Just get such a closer relationship with with God. That's awesome. So awesome. Oh. <laughs> okay, Amber, share with us a story of someone in your life that you how you got brought them, and then um, so kind of inspire someone else to do the same. Um, So mine, uh, we've invited a lot of our friends, and they faithfully come. My mom comes, my aunt comes, like my cousins, um, which I love, but my favorite one is my friends, Aaron and Chris Bissinger. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, we actually invited them a few times before they said yes, Um, but I just prayerfully never gave up and I just continued to ask. And she, um, she'll tell you, like, she is so thankful that I was not willing to take no for an answer. I was not pushy, but she was just so thankful that I didn't take no for an answer. So they started coming um, when we did the Five Ways to Keep Your Families Together series mm-hmm. a few years ago. And the change in them is it's unreal. Their marriage is a totally different marriage. The way that they raise their kids is totally different. Their kids just, um, you know, just those fears that they used to have, you don't see that anymore in them. They're just, and they seem so grounded. And my favorite thing is that she told me um, that her neighbors have noticed. And her neighbors asked her, like, what is going on? What is going on with your marriage? Mm -hmm. And so she told them, well, um, my church did my, with my pastor, we read this book called power of a praying wife. And I prayed for my husband That's awesome. and 
through that, like our marriage is totally different. And she said, you know, you have to realize that you have to let Jesus do all of the work and you have to be willing to pray through and know that you might, you will definitely have to change some things of yourself first. Um, but because of that, her neighbors all are doing power praying wife devotional together. Um, so they were like, we want that. We want that. We want that. So my favorite story is how, you know, they said that they would say that about us. Like we want your marriage and now other people are saying it about theirs. Yeah. And it's about Jesus. That's right. That's really awesome. Okay. All right. One thing for Allie. Has anyone ever told you no, they don't want to come? Has anybody ever like reject, like, no, I don't want you to pray for me? Or if they have, like, how do you kind of get past that, like, ah, moment where you're like, yes, people (laughs) have absolutely turned me down. Um, And I kind of get past it by just, by like praying through. So I um, I always pray before I invite someone um, because I want their heart to be ready, my heart to be ready to know what to say and God to help us. And I don't want to invite someone who, you know, um, who God doesn't want me to invite at that, at that time. Um, obviously you can invite anybody, but I like to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. And, um, what I do if they say no, is just continue to pray. And if it's me that, um, ask them the second time, or if it's someone else in their life that maybe come mm-hmm. in their life later. So I can maybe plant a seed by asking them the first time and someone else comes and waters it. Yeah. Um, but mostly just just being hopeful um, because it's happened before where I've asked multiple times then finally someone did come and know that, or if they find a different church or find Jesus another way, um, I know that God's going to be faithful and do that. So that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Can y'all give them a hand? We, uh, I just wanted to bring them up to you. Yes. So, uh, because I feel like a lot of times, we think we can't do that or, you know, and what they kind of embody, it's not just an action or a habit. Um, it is, it is a, who they are, you know, I don't want you to just leave here inspired to say like, I'm going to do this today. I want this to become who we are and things that change inside of us starts with a habit, with a small habit. And, um, I think about the scripture, first Peter three fifteen, where it says, always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready to share your faith. And I know a lot of us are like, okay, then who? Who is it that I'm supposed to? Am I supposed to just take and knock on the doors? Am I supposed to just ask anybody? But I think the Holy Spirit gives us cues. Like with any habit in our life, we need a cue that kind of like says, oh, that's, that's what that is. That's what that is. A cue to say like, okay, this is who God has sent me. You know, you pray every day, God, use me today. And then God will send you a cue that says, okay, today's the day that I'm going to invite this person. And so I want to give us three cues that we can listen for as we're leaning into the Holy Spirit and leaning into people's lives and noticing them and investing in them. I want to give us three knots, three knots that can kind of cue us to start this habit because I want this to be who we are, not just what we do, because it's not just for just the Dakotas and the allies of the world, it's all of us. So you're not too old or too shy or too like socially awkward to bring somebody to Jesus. It can become a part of who you are and who we are here at Hope City Church. And so I want to give you some cues to listen for in your life. And the first one is, I am not in church. I'm not in church. If someone says that to you, you know what they're missing. 
You know what you feel like sometimes when you crawl through the doors at 9.30 because you've had a rough week and you walk out of here feeling refreshed and renewed and you know that the people in your life that are not in church are missing that. They're missing that. You know the season in your life when you weren't in church and now you're here and you're like, yes, this is what I needed. So the first cue I want you to think about and listen for is I am not in church. And that's your cue to say, maybe this is the Holy Spirit knocking on my heart to invite them, to pray with them, to share your faith with them, to share your story. And the second one is something that is happening in their life that they are not prepared for. Not prepared for. They're like, I read all the parenting books, but I am not prepared for a new baby. I'm not prepared for what it would do to my marriage. I was not prepared for that. See, not that we can necessarily prepare them, but we know that Jesus is who they can lean on because there's things in your life that have happened that you were not prepared for. Maybe loss of a loved one you were not prepared for, but you had a relationship with Jesus and you have a church family that you can uh, be with and walk with. And so the second not you want to listen for is I am not prepared for that. You might have somebody in your life who's not prepared to raise middle schoolers. That would be me. <laughs> my daughter's going into middle school, so there's some of you that are like, I was not prepared for this. So not only do your friends need Jesus and need a church family and to be here, they need their kids to be here, a part of our youth group. You need a youth group that can help not only the students, but help the parents. So the second knot is I am not prepared for this. And the third knot is I am not doing okay. How many times have you heard that? More and more, we hear so many people struggling with anxiety and depression, and they're like, I am not okay. And that's your cue to say, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? And these are things, these are cues that can lead you to this habit, to becoming a person that's saying, I am going to bring someone to Jesus. Because there's people in your life that are not okay, that are not okay. They're missing the love of their father and God rejoices when we take the time to say, I'm going to go help find your children. I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna help, but I'm gonna listen and listen for promptings from the Holy Spirit that says, I am not in church. I am not prepared for this and I am not okay. And we are going to actually have a time where we're gonna hand these out to you. We're gonna have small ones that you can carry around because I want this to be your cue. I want this to be a habit. I want it to, be, it to be who we are. It's not just for the people on stage up here that are bringing people. It's for all of us. It's for all of us because it helps grow our faith in that. And so Kaylee and the team are going to come up and sing some songs for us in just a minute. We're going to have a prayer team down front, but we're also going to have some leaders handing out ropes so that you can take them home with you and remind you of all the people out there, their pain-filled eyes that we see every day. And take the time to say, we're going to bring them to Jesus. I've met Jesus. Now I'm going to go back and grab my brother and bring him to Jesus. I've met Jesus. Now I'm going to go back and grab my friend and bring them to Jesus. So we're going to hand out those ropes. And then during the song, if you want to go back to your seat and pray, God, I don't know who it is, but God, use me. God, let me listen for the knots. Let me listen for that. Let me be a person that brings people to you. 
Or maybe you know exactly who that is and you need someone to agree with you in prayer and the prayer team will be down here and you can pray with them and give you the courage to say that I've never prayed out loud with anybody before, but today might be my day. Today might be the day that give you courage and strength to be able to do that in your own life. So let's pray. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to be used by you to bring your children home to you. God, God, we were lost. God, we were chained, unable to unchain ourselves, but someone in our life saw that and brought us to church or shared their faith so that we could have a relationship with you, Jesus. And God, I pray that we are a church full of people that also wanna bring other people alongside them. God, I pray for anyone in the room that has family or friends that do not know you. God, the burden that they feel every day for their lost soul. God, I pray that you give them an opportunity, an open door. Lord, I pray that you give them an open door to be able to share their faith in what you're doing in their lives, God, or to be able to extend an invitation to church, God, or to be able to pray with them. Lord, God, we, have, we are full of a world of broken people, God, and we need you more than ever, Lord. God, we want to be people that bring people to you so that we can have hope when we feel hopeless, God. God, we were lost, and you found us, God, and brought us to you, Lord Jesus. Now help us be a church of people that go out and find others to bring them home to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.